This is Parsha Panorama, and this week's Parsha is Parsha's Truma. We know that Parsha's Truma is the Parsha of the Mishkan, or the tabernacle, or the dwelling place of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world, whatever that possibly means. And we know that the Mishkan is made up of a lot of different parts, and we're going to have to get to all of those parts, talk about what exactly um, does it take to create a Mishkan. But one question that we really have to address is, again, no longer taking for granted that this is just happens to be the Parsha of the Mishkan, but the question of how did we get here? Why are we talking about this now? We just came off of Parsha's Mishpatim. We spoke all about the Knisa Labris, the entry into the covenant with Hashem. This was the second segment of Kabbalah Satorah. And the last thing that we saw is Moshe Rabbeinu going up to the mountain saying, okay, I'll be back. I'll be back in, you know, 40 days or so. And uh, then the Moshe goes up. And the very next thing is, Hashem speaks to Moshe, take for me the truma. So the question is, how exactly did we get from this point, um, from the point of the Knisa Labris in Parshas Mishpatim after hearing all the different laws that make up the Mishpatim, so then how do we get here to Hashem commanding Moshe regarding the Mishkan? This also brings to the forefront another question of when exactly was the Mishkan commanded? Um, and because this actually is not so simple. The commandment for the construction of the Mishkan, we have it placed right here, but this, as well as many other uh, areas in Chumash, um, also is... A, a grounds for dispute regarding the question of chronology, the famous issue of Ein Mukdum Umuchar Torah, that there is no chronological restrictions in the Torah, we should say. Because again, there in general, the Torah does list things in order, though the Gemara does say this concept, and Rashi invokes it pretty often, as he does here. But um, there's the Ramban who's always on the other end of that, that, of course, there are certain places where there's no other choice but to say, for example, the beginning of um, Sefer Bamidbar, where the Chumash gives you a calendar date that's clearly not in chronological order. But unless you have something like that, the Ramban says that we assume that the Chumash is speaking in chronological order. This is going to be not just a dispute in timing, but we're going to see that this, in a major sense, is a dispute, apparently, on what the whole purpose of the Mishkan was. And this is really important, because, and now Rashi, he gives an explanation that's really, it's based in Chazal, um, at least one shot in Chazal, but there are other possibilities to consider in this discussion what, in fact, is the functional purpose of a Mishkan. And you might say, oh, the functional purpose of the Mishkan is, is a house for Hashem. That by itself is not sufficient, because Hashem doesn't need a house. Maybe part of it is that we want to have Hashem with us in this world. I would say that's the, that is certainly part of the essence of it, um, if not the essence of it itself. But there's apparently another factor that we have to consider. So we'll get to all of that. Um, another question which we already um, started addressing in Musar minutes earlier this week was why the, this Parsha is even called Parshas Truma. Shouldn't it be called Parshas Mishkan or Parshas Mikdash? So one thing I want to focus on, which we didn't talk about in the Musar minutes, is the difference between Mishkan and Mikdash. 
Because right, we know Parsha's Truma is in fact the Parsha of the Mishkan, the edifice that is described in the Parsha is definitely not what we know commonly as the Beis HaMikdash or the Beis Olamim but it, or the Beis HaBechira, but it is the Mishkan. And that's going to be, you know, that's going to be evident from, from later on. We, we know that, that uh, I mean, the, uh, Truma all the way through Pekude is where we're talking about the Mishkan. There are other topics, obviously, in there, major topics, which we have to get to. But that said, if that's true, then it kind of makes it a little bit strange why the Chumash starts off this discussion with um, the um, with the words Viasuli Mikdash Vishakanti Basakham. Make for me a Mikdash and I will dwell among you. Shouldn't it be Vyasuli Mishkan? Make for me a Mishkan and then I'll dwell among you. Vyasuli Mikdash Vishakanti Basokham. It's interesting because in that in that very phrase or in that very Pasuk, it says Vyasuli Mikdash, then Vishakanti. Vishakanti means I will dwell. That's the Lushan of Mishkan. So what exactly is going on here? Uh, you could say Vyasuli Mishkan Vishakanti Pesokham. Right, so why 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 not do it that way? Why throw in this other word mikdash, unless the chumash is trying to tell us something? So we have to figure out what exactly is mishkan, what exactly is mikdash. Is there a difference? Is there overlap? So I'll say there's definitely overlap, but there is a difference. So when it comes to mishkan and mikdash, we are going to have an incredible Venn diagram, um, which will well at least we'll we'll share some bits on that. And the, of course, the other question that again we um, going back to what we said in Musra minutes. Why is this called Parshas Truma? So you can go back and listen to Moser Minutes. We'll maybe do a quick review in this particular um, um, issue of Parsha Panorama. Um, we'll, so we'll, we'll give it a little bit of attention. But that is, um, these are all the important questions to consider when we approach this particular Parsha. Now, before we go any further, let us um, go to the specific components of the Parsha. What exactly are the contents? Right, the, the, the table of contents for Parshas Truma, which also happens to include a table, as we'll see. Um, but the table of contents for Parshas Truma is first we have number one, the materials of the Truma. What is a Truma? So we'll get back to that. But the materials of the Truma, and that's the intro to the command of the Asuli Mikdash, make for me a Mikdash. Okay, so that's number one. Two, we have, I put these all together, even though they might be separate paragraphs. We have the Aron HaKodesh, the Kaporas, and the Kruvim. We typically think of all of this as one, you know, one item, one object, one, one very holy object in the, in the Mishkan. The, you know, the Aron HaKodesh, the, the Ark, um, which housed the Luchos, of, um, so, which are the tablets of our covenant with Hashem. And then we have the Kaporas, the lid which also has the Kruvim on top, and this is apparently the area from which Hashem speaks to Moshe. So this is pretty intense, this is pretty holy. Um, then number three, we get back to that table, the Shulchan that we were talking about, the Shulchan which um, it has the, the Lechem HaPanim, the bread, um, this was to be consumed by the Kohanim, and there's a lot to be said about the relationship between the Shulchan and section number four, the Menorah, which was, um, you know, and there's a lot of different furniture in the Mishkan, a lot of which resembles a, a, a home. You know, you have, a, you have a dining room, you have a dining set, you have lights, um, you know, you have the, the Aron, the, 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 the Kodesh HaKadosh, might be, you know, the master bedroom, um, like Lahavdil, but Kaviachal, um, Lahavdil and Lamashal. Number five, we have what the Chumash calls the Mishkan, now meaning the Chumash happens to call the entire Mishkan the Mishkan, but it also calls a specific part the Mishkan, namely the tent, the Yerios, the curtains, 
And then, and then number six, we have the Mishkan walls, that's the Krashim. Seven, we have the Parochas, which separates between the Heichal, or the Kodesh, and the Kodesh HaKadashim, right? So we have the, the main room and the master bedroom. Then eight, we have the Mizbeach HaNechoshes, also known as the Mizbeach HaOla, also known as the Mizbeach HaChison. And then number nine, finally, we have the Chatzar, which is outside of the Heichal. So we have these nine sections. I'll list them again. Number one, we have the, 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 the contents of the truma, the portion through, um, w- with which we can fulfill the command of Yasuli Mikdash, which consists of gold, silver, etc. Um, number two, we have the Aranakodesh, the Kapars, and the Kuvim. Three, we have the Shulchan. Four, we have the Menorah. Five, we have the Mishkan tent, the Rios, the curtain. Um, and six, we have the Mishkan walls, um, which consists of the Krushim. Seven, we have the Parochas, which is the partition between the Heichal, the Kodesh, and the Kodesh Akadashim. Eight, we have the Mizbeach Hanachoshes, the copper Mizbeach, on which Karbanos Ola were offered. This is um, not in the... Oh, this is in the Kodesh, um, or it's actually, it's, it's in the Chatzar, um, but it's, uh, it's one of the furthest things from the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And then we have, finally, number nine, we have the, the Chatzar. So really, the Mizbech HaNechoshes is right before the Chatzar, which, uh, and so the, the Chatzar is outside the Heichal. One question that I want you to think about, which we'll, we will not um, entirely address today, is which Kalim of the Mishkan are missing from our parsha, so there are some that are for, you know that are missing for obvious reasons, some for not so obvious reasons. So um, we'll have to get to it. There's one there's one clea that you can argue doesn't really belong here anyway, but there is a clea that we would say for sure belongs in parsha's truma, and we don't see it until a different parsha, parsha's tetzave. So what's missing? Why? So I want you to sit on that for a week. Enjoy that. Okay. Well, for now. Well, let's get back to our question about what exactly is the 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 purpose of the the Mishkan and the Mikdash, right? So we again we address the question of why um, is the parsha called Truma, not Mikdash or not Mishkan, and we we explained that you can't give the answer in Muslim minutes. We said you can't give the answer that oh well Mikdash is not early enough in the parsha the word Mikdash because the Chumash really speaks out of order the Chumash because. You'll, you'll say, like, look, we read the parsha. It says, "V'dabar shalom shalimar, dabar al bnei Yisrael, v'yichuli truma meis kolish shayi v'anelibo tichles trumasi," and then it gives an entire, um, you know, wish list of all the objects that Hashem expects us to give him for the. The, for, for the project, the unnamed project. We don't know what it is yet. Not until Pasuk Ches does the Chumash say, V'yasuli mikdash v'shechanti v'socham. Here's what you're going to do with all the raw materials. So the question is, the Chumash should have started with, V'yadabar shalom shalimar, dabar al bnei Yisrael, that's what, how it should have started. And then, how do you make a mishkan? How do you make a mikdash? Then the chumash should say, v'yichuli truma. So we explained that truma actually is the essence of what a, a mishkan is. What is the point of a mishkan? We said the whole point of the mishkan is to, to, to find a place to house Hashem in this world. And in order to do that, it takes kol ish asher libo, that a person has to give something of himself, something, something that he values. We ask the question, why does Hashem want our gold? The answer is, Hashem doesn't actually care for our gold, but we care for our gold. And when we care for our gold, we, um, so when we give something that we care about, I think about Abraham uh, being willing to give up his son at the Akedah. So um, that's what we, you know, when we offer, anytime we offer a carbon, it actually requires this same energy and devotion of the Chol Ish Asher Yedvenu Libo. The whole starting point is the Mishkan. So 
Um, and, and so that's why you need to create, a, you need a truma. Truma means I elevate a portion of myself, a portion of myself that I really like, right? We, we see by Yitzchak as well, the Akedah, the Ola, you raise him up as an Ola. So here we have another Lashon of raising up, Resh, Vav, Mem, Rum, Truma, same Lashon. And we, we, to make something lofty, we take a part of ourselves, we elevate it, like Hafrasha Schala. So it's the same concept here. That's what creates this, this, this whole essence of the, you know, the Mishkan. Now, the question is, what's the difference between Mishkan and Mikdash? Why do we start with Vyasuli Mikdash, Vishachanti Besocham? What's the difference between Mikdash and Mishkan? So for this, we need a little bit of help from the grammarians, um, namely the Malbim. The Malbim is known for his, 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 um, his genius in, in grammar, in Dikduk, in, in Chumash. And he, he teaches us that whenever you have the mem in the front of a word, that usually means the source or the place of. So like uh, um, uh, um, the word or means light, ma'or means a luminary, or ner means a lamp, minorah means a candelabrum. It's the thing that projects the, the, uh, you know, the, the light um, or the, the, the lamp, or the thing that holds the lamps. And ma'or is the thing that, a luminary is something that projects an or. So we have or ma'or. Okay, so the same thing here with mishkan. Mishkan means so shachain means to dwell, like a neighborhood, um, shechuna, um, or shachain tov, a good neighbor. So mishkan means a place of your neighbor, a place of dwelling, a place where you're with people that you know. So what's mikdash? So kodesh is holy. Mikdash means the place of holiness. So the chumash is is cluing us in on how you create a place for Hashem in this world. Mishkan, you want a Mishkan? You want Vishachanti Besocham? So you know what you need, right? Mikdash. If you want Mishkan, you need Mikdash. What is Mikdash? You create a place of holiness. Mikdash is the same idea as Truma. You take a certain section, you cordon off this section, you want a special part of your week, so you cordon off part of your week, Shabbos, and then that becomes a holy time, and that's a place where Hashem comes to the world. And the idea is the same for the Mishkan. I think we know Shabbos is, 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 the, is the Mishkan in, in, in time. It's the Mikdash in time, and this is something that we're going to come back to in a few weeks from now. So keep that on the back burner. But how do you create a place for Hashem in this world? It starts off with Truma, devoting something of yourself and lifting it up. That creates Mikdash, that creates a place of holiness, and that creates the reality of Vishachanti Besocham. That turns um, you know, a bunch of raw materials into a Mishkan, a place in this world where Hashem can dwell. So we know that that's, that that's what the Mishkan is. The question, though, is, again, if you assume that, that the, this command was not, it was not actually issued at this particular point in time, so was it always intended? You know, like, like is there a reason why it's placed here, first of all? Also, we assume that you know this. This sound, everything that we're talking about now sounds like an ideal. It sounds like there's an ideal that we have a place for Hashem in this world. This is something that we want. This is uh, something that we we cherish and want to exist. It's not. It's not a, a bidia, but it's not. You know, um, after the fact, you know, is is is, is it a nice idea? It, no, this sounds like something that we want, and that's in fact how the Ramban understands the Mishkan. The, that again, the, it's placed right here. The whole point of the Mishkan says the Ramban is a place to house Hashem in this world. Not only that, but he says it's a place to recreate Har Sinai. Because what, what, did we just hap- what, what did we just experience? We experienced Har Sinai. We have Hashem's presence with us at Har Sinai. 
And if you look, the way the Chumash describes the Mishkan, when Hashem finally comes to dwell in it, it's the same way that the Chumash describes Hashem's descent on Har Sinai with the clouds and no one's allowed to walk in. The description is exactly the same. And Har Sinai is being harnessed by this Mishkan experience. And that's what the Ramban says. And there's a, you know, Rabbi David Foreman actually has videos that are devoted to a, a similar topic where he addresses the same kind of thing. Also, um, I heard him, among many others, who draw parallels not just between the Mishkan and Harsinai, but the Mishkan and Gan Eden. That, um, the, um, if you look there, for example, there are Kruvim in Gan Eden. There are a lot of gemstones in Gan Eden. A lot of the things that we see, and um, also the, the Yitzhak Chaim, which is the Torah, right? So the Yitzhak Chaim, um, the Yitzchayim is at the is at the Kodesh Hakodeshim, as it were, of the of the of, of the garden. Um, so the the, the idea um, certainly it doesn't just fit very well, but this also really is very consistent with what we had said in Parsha Yisro, Parsha Panorama. Go back and listen to that one. That the the Har Sinai was, in a certain sense, bringing us back to the level of Gan Eden. Um, to the place where we have Hashem's presence with us. We feel Him, we fear Him, and we, we, we act um, appropriately. So it's hard to think of the Mishkan as not being an ideal, though Rashi tells us, in fact, that um, in, in more than one place, that many aspects of the Mishkan were really mainly... In fact, the Mishkan itself was really a response to something that doesn't even happen in this week's parsha. It's a response to the Egel Hazahav. The Mishkan is supposed to pick up the scraps of the Egel Hazav. That we, we, we dropped to such a low level and we needed some kind of atonement after we worshipped the golden calf or at least watched other people do it and not say anything about it. And because of that, we needed to build the Mishkan. So what that doesn't really fully explain then is why the Chumash is, is describing this command here. With the Ramban, everything works out really well. It ends up working out well for the Ramban because right after the Chumash presents Parshas Mishpatim, we have Parshas Truma. Right? It sounds like there was an ideal. The ideal is the next step of everything that we're doing is we're going to build a Mishkan. And to an extent, I don't think we can deny what the Ramban is saying because there seems to have been some ideal of there being a temple. Just to quote you, Amaymer Chazal, so I have it here from the Torah Tamima on the Pasuk of Vyasuli Mikdash, and he, um, he points out from the Gemara in Ksubis, Samach Beis Amud Beis, it says, Umeik Vyasuli Mikdash, Umeik Haraksiv Tivim of Sitaimo, Vahadarm Machon Shiftacha, which tells us that originally it seems there was only going to be a Beis HaMikdash, but there was for sure going to be a Beis HaMikdash. Like, no, no one seems to be denying that, because in Az Yashir, we reference the eventual building of a Beis HaMikdash. So if that's the case, it sounds like there was always an ideal for there to eventually be a temple. And uh, the Mimer just finishes. It says, Nalamed Shechavivin Yisrael al-Kadosh Baruch Hu. And the Torah Tumim elaborates, what does that mean? That uh, Hashem must have loved us so much that he wanted to dwell with us, even at that point in time, um, you know, even even when they were in the midbar, Hashem still wanted to be Mashra his shechina on the mishkan, uh, or rather on Bnei Israel, and so therefore that's why he commanded them to build a mishkan even at that point. Um, so that's so the, 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 there we see an ideal, um, and it could be, maybe Rashi would not deny that there was always going to be a Beis HaMikdash. Rashi would say that 
Um, you know, it's not just about the Chaviva session has for Klal but that Klal at that point really needed to build a Mishkan because of the atonement that was necessary for the Chet Egel. Now, what the question that we still have to address is why, according to Rashi, then, is the construction for the Mishkan, or at least the the, the instruction for the construction for the for the Mikdash or for the Mishkan, why is that here and not only after the Egel? So there's a lot to be said about structure in the Chumash in terms of of how things are positioned, how topics are positioned. But one answer that I want to suggest, and this might take us to what I like to think of as a hybrid between Rashi's Pshat and the Ramban's Pshat. Before we get to that hybrid Pshat, I want to throw in another Shita here. Because when it comes to understanding the Mishkan or the Beis HaMikdash and its ultimate function, we would be remiss if we, if we neglected to mention this other shita, and that is the shita of the Rambam. So basically, the idea is as follows. Um, the truth is, before I get to the idea, actually, um, I'll just say where I know it from. I know it from my rabbi, of Jonathan Sachs. Um, he um, often will say over this idea um, when we get to the Parshish of the Mishkan. And the idea comes, um, shame the Rav, the Rav. And the Rav says that there's ultimately a, a major machlokas between the Rambam and the Ramban in terms of what the functionality of the Mishkan was and the Beis HaMikdash. And it's not explicit. Maybe in the Ramban it's explicit, but in the Rambam, you have to look at the different halachas. You have to look at, um, throughout the Rambam's commentary, um, or really his Mishnah Torah, so you can draw out what the Rambam understands to be the functionality of the Mikdash. And what comes out, actually, is something that I, th- I thought was very consistent with something that I saw in Rav Avraham Shor, Rav Avraham Shor's um, like Halakach Ve'alibov on Parshish Bikude. It's one of, the, one of my favorite pieces in Halakach Ve'alibov. And he quotes an idea of B'Shem Rav Tzadok. I'll get to this idea as soon as I finish explaining the Rambam versus the Ramban. What is the purpose of the Mishkan? We already said, according to the Ramban, it's to be a base hashchina. Right? Rashi, we said it's supposed to be, you know, a kapara for the Egel. But again, even Rashi couldn't deny that there was going to be a base hamigdash eventually. Maybe so. The question is why? Why we have it now? Um, so, is the Mishkan's purpose not the same as the base hamigdash according to Rashi? So we'll have to um, explain that a little bit. But according to the Ramban, we know it's just the you know it's a base hashchina. This is the place where the shchina can rest. If you look at the Rambam, so again, although it's not explicit, um, though the truth is it might be. I'd have to look up the sources again. But the Rambam's uh, theme that we see throughout all of the halachos relating to the mikdash is that the whole purpose is that it is it is a base avoda. Um, so the the idea of of the the main purpose of the mishkan or the mikdash. It's a place where we go to serve Hashem, to bring karbanos. Everything that is in the Beis HaMikdash is some, in some way is, serves as an avoda. The lighting of the menorah is an avoda. The lechem uh, panam on the shulchan is an avoda. All the karbanos are obviously an avoda. And even the, when it comes to the aron, so the avoda of the aron Believe it or not, the placing of the luchos into the aron. So my Rebbe, he um, explains 
And he develops an idea how that itself is an avoda, the putting of the luchos into the aron. So there's plenty to be said about this idea. The thing that I thought was amazing from Avraham Shor is that um, we were talking earlier about what the difference between a mikdash and a mishkan is. Right? We said that mikdash is the place of holiness, mishkan is the place of dwelling. And we said if you want to create a mishkan, so you really got to um, concentrate an area of holiness, make a mikdash, and that mikdash mamela will be a place that can be a mishkan. But in terms of the actual Beis HaMikdash and the Mishkan, um, which, by the way, um, they are, in a certain sense, they are the same thing, because there, you know, there, there is overlap, as we said. You know, I mentioned earlier that we would present some kind of a Venn diagram, so here we are, we're getting there. The Gemara actually says, is it a Gemara, is it a Midrash? I'll tell you, it's a Gemara. On the Pasuk, the Asili Mikdash, it says, uh, So apparently the Mikdash is called, uh, the, the Mishkan is also called a Mikdash. Um, and there, there are similarly Maimori Chazal that say that the Mikdash is actually also called a Mishkan. So that being said, there is overlap. Whatever applies to the Mishkan is going to apply to the Mikdash. Whatever applies to the Mikdash is going to apply to the Mishkan. The question is, when we say Mikdash, when we say Mishkan, what exactly is the difference between the two? So if Tzadok says, the Beis HaMikdash ultimately is a base tefillah. And he says the Mishkan is an Ohel Torah. He says the main aspect of the Beis HaMikdash is, is tefillah. Maybe you might say Avoda, like the Rambam. And when it comes to the Mishkan, the main aspect of the Mishkan, the Ohel Moed, is Torah. So, you know, I mean, Rav Sadek points out, for example, you had a Beis HaMikdash that didn't have the Luchos and the Aron in it. At the second Beis HaMikdash, they didn't even have the Aron. But you cannot envision a Mishkan that does not have an Aron. Why? Because the Aron is the house of the Torah. And the Torah, that, that's, that's what creates the Mishkan. Right, the Mishkan is an Ohel. And when it comes to the Beis HaMikdash, he says it's a house of tefillah. Why? How do we know this? Ki Beisi Beis Tefillah Yikarei Lechal Amin. So Rav Tzadok points out important Afkaminas to understand what's the difference between the Beis HaMikdash and the Mishkan, that the Beis HaMikdash, whenever we talk about tefillah, tefillah, the, the Makom, um, HaMikdash is where tefillah um, uh, ascends to Hashem. That's why you need to be in a makom kavua. That's why wherever you daven, the, you, know, you have to face the Kodesh HaKadashim because tefillah focuses on the makom. So you need a makom kavua. The tefillah is very makom sensitive. When it comes to the Mishkan and Torah, it's just um, any, any place that my name is mentioned. Right, any any place that my name is mentioned, that's where Hashem is. That's where the Torah is. The Gemara in Brachos and Davches says that in the absence of a Beis Hamikdash, Hashem resides where in the four Amos have Halacha. And in fact, seemingly consistent with the Ramban's understanding of the Mishkan as a Har Sinai recreation, what was Har Sinai if not the Makom of Torah, the place where once Hashem leaves that area, it's not holy anymore. It's the Dalat Amas HaValacha, wherever the Torah is being learned and engaged in, that's where Hashem is. It could be on Har Sinai, it could be somewhere off Har Sinai, anywhere else. It's a portable Har Sinai, it's the Shechina taken with you wherever you go. But that's what the Mishkan is. The Mishkan is the place of Torah, the Mikdash is the place of Avodah.
And maybe this machlokas or Ramban and Rambam in terms of Mishkan versus, uh, in terms of Beis Avoda versus, um, uh, um, versus uh, Beis Ashchina. So it could be, this is consistent with Rav Tzadok, that, um, that Rambam understands the Iker of both buildings really me- being about the Avoda aspect, that it's, it's really both about being the Mikdash. The Ramban might say that the main aspect is Torah, perhaps, and that means the emphasis is on Mishkan. So now, in terms of understanding the, the place of Rashi in all of this, so is there a way that we can reconcile Rashi and Ramban? At a certain point, we are not able to because, on the one hand, Rashi does not believe that this command was issued exactly where it was, that maybe there was never supposed to be a Mishkan. Um, there was supposed to be a Beis Migdash later, but there was never supposed to be a Mishkan. And once the Eagle happened, uh, you know, it, it became clear that this is what was needed. According to the Ramban, there was always an idea of what we were going to do. You're going to have Har Sinai experience Hashem be in front of everyone's faces, and then we'll never see him again. So Ra- Ramban assumes just like there was always going to be a, a Mikdash, so maybe, and you can connect this to that Maimar Chazal, that, that um, we were so chaviv to Hashem, that Hashem wanted to be with us even earlier, so there was an ideal of having a Mishkan even earlier. But what you could possibly say, and this really goes back to the whole question that we started with in terms of why Hashem wants our gold in the first place. Why does Hashem... Um, not even tell us what the Mishkan is. He said he first says, you know, give me all of your all of your riches and your wealth, and I'll tell you what to do with it. And the the answer is that it, it, when we do not do that, when we do not take our riches, our wealth, our assets, our life, um, you know, our, our whether it's our livelihood, whatever aspect of our life it is, if we don't devote to Hashem from what we have, we are destined to become subjugated by those things. We end up serving those things. And in fact, when it came to the gold, that is exactly what happened. We had a lot of gold, and then later in time, we would, we would serve the Egel. And so according to Rashi, if you assume that Parshas Truma is not where it belongs, then why in fact isn't it where it belongs? And it could be the answer is, Truma is almost that warning. Parshas Truma is that warning that if you have gold and you're not sure what to do with it, what can you possibly do with it? How can you make good of your gold? How can you make good of the things that Hashem had given you? And says Hashem, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but as the parshios are broken down, we have truma right here showing you what could have been if you did not serve the Egel, and what's going to have to be since you served the Egel. Meaning, the Bnei Yisrael, they, they could have always... You know, before the Egel happened, they could have, you know, considered how can we bring Hashem into our lives in a way that is consistent with Ratzon Hashem. Is there a possible model? And the answer might have been, if you can be a little bit patient when you get into Eretz Yisrael, you know, be patient, wait for Moshe to come down, the answer will be there. We'll have a Mikdash. There is possibly an ideal of having such a Mikdash. But, but, but again... If you are going to be subjugated by your gold and end up serving the gold and mistaking what Hashem is, then 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 you lose, and then you get nothing. Right? Um, but the, the the idea is that the, the the idea that 
What were the Bnei Israel trying to do when they created their Egel Hazav? What were they lacking when they created their Egel Hazav? And you know what they were lacking? They were lacking the inspiration and excitement that they felt at Har Sinai when Hashem's Shechina was with them. I.e., they no longer had the Har Sinai experience. I.e., that which the Ramban says is the whole purpose of the Mishkan, to harness the Har Sinai experience, which according to the Ramban was always an ideal, maybe according to Rashi, you didn't always need that. But once they served the Egel, and why did they serve the Egel? Because they thought they were lacking the Har Sinai experience. Now they need an atonement. And what is that atonement? That atonement is the Mishkan, which, if you, you know, whether Rashi is going to say it explicitly or not, it's very hard to deny that the Mishkan, in a certain sense, brings back the inspiration of Hashem being in your life, seeing an edifice, seeing ritualistic objects around you, seeing the gold applied, and seeing the cloud of the Shechina coming down. So you could have, you could envision a Sinai recreation in the Mishkan, even according to Rashi's model, because the Egel is gold and the Sinai experience gone haywire, the Sinai experience misunderstood and being yearned for, but not quite being understood the way it should be. That was what the Egel was. The Mishkan was recreating the Har Sinai experience the right way, bringing Hashem's Shechina down. And we had explained that back in Parshas Yisro, Hashem was Masha Hashchina upon us. And when he did that, we reached the level back of, you know, being back at Gan Eden again. And we said that, in, you know, in Gan Eden, it wasn't enough just to be there, but we had to make a decision. Hashem gave a commandment in order for us to ultimately earn and be able to benefit from the ultimate good. There has to be a choice. We have to earn it on our own. Um, it's, it's not enough just to, to, to get it. But again, it has to be earned. That is why Hashem gave us a command in the first place. That's why Hashem gave us free choice. And in the same vein, in Parshish Mishpatim, we entered the covenant. Now, the question for us is, where, where are we now? We're now in Parshish Truma. Parshish Truma is the place where either we are being introduced to what would have been the alternative to the Egel, it didn't, you know, the Egel didn't have to happen. There could have been a way to serve Hashem with our gold in the right way. And according to the Ramban, this is the way to contain the experience, right? The, the whole idea of the Sinai experience was, we said, to create a yira in awe so that Hashem's, Hashem's, um, his, his ema and yira would be upon us so that we would not sin, Right, that Hashem would reinstate our free choice. Because with the eight Sahara in our lives, it's very hard to overcome. So Hashem needed the Sinai experience to scare us into serving Him again, so to speak. So now what? The question is whether you go with Rashi or the Ramban, what do you do when the Sinai experience is over? Is there a way to keep up? How do we keep up if? We don't have Har Sinai every day. The whole point of Har Sinai was to give us the fighting chance against the Yitzhahara. But what happens when the inspiration fades? So the answer is, well, there are two possibilities. You could either recreate the sin in Gan Eden in the form of the golden calf, or 
you can do something to harness the inspiration of Harsinai. And you can create, whether it's that base tefillah or that Ohel Torah, right? the four Amas of Halacha, whatever it is. You have to recreate that space. You have to recreate this, this you know, um, to recreate Gan Eden, as it were. That this is, by the way, and this answers the larger question of why do we need a Beis Hamikdash? You might say it's about connecting to Hashem, all these wonderful things, but the Beis Hamikdash is supposed to serve as that place that inspires us. Whether again in in Tefillah, in Torah, both. But the whole point is that the Mikdash is supposed to be that epicenter, where wherever else we are in the world, the Mikdash is what reminds us that Hashem has a presence in this world. We need that reminder, we need that recognition, because without it, we forget that Hashem is in the world. And when we forget that Hashem is in the world, we make the wrong choices, and then we don't earn the ultimate good. Or just like you have Shabbos once a week to remind us that, there's a, that Hashem is in this world, even though maybe every other day of the week we don't think about it, but we should, the same is true with the Mishkan and the Mikdash, that wherever you are in the world, Hashem is there, but we don't always think of it that way. And we need reminders. We need physical reminders. We need environmental reminders. We need spatial reminders. And you might say that the main place for this would be Eretz Yisrael with the base of Mikdash. But apparently, the Midbar experience demonstrated that we needed a Mishkan. We needed a portable way to take it with us everywhere. Right? We needed those four Amas of Halacha, where wherever we are, we can serve Hashem. And that would explain what exactly the role of Parshas Truma is on this larger map. Right? Parshas Truma, once again, is the place that keeps God conscious, in our, or rather, keeps our God consciousness. It keeps us with the Yira and the awe of Harsinai. It keeps us in Gan Eden, so to speak. It is the Gan Eden. It's the place that reminds us that Hashem is in this world. That is part and parcel with the plan of us ultimately earning the ultimate good because we're going to make the right choices because we, we see the makom of Hashem. Now, obviously it gets much harder when we don't have a base of Migdash, but now we understand what we're yearning for. The base of Migdash is not an end in and of itself. And by the way, we've said in a previous Real Talk Torah on what the definition of Mashiach is. Go back and listen to that one. But what we said was, even Mashiach coming isn't an end in and of itself. So what is the end? The end is serving Hashem, making the right choices in serving Hashem. And the Mikdash is a place to help us do that. Mashiach is a king who will hopefully come to help us do that. But the whole point is for us to be able to serve Hashem better, make all those right choices, and part of that is being able to cleave to Hashem and bask in His Shechina and get that ultimate good. And that is exactly what Parshish Truma is about. Anyway, hope you gain from that. Hope you have something to think about in terms of the Mishkan. And that will take us for now through Parshish Truma. Once again, don't forget what, what, what Kalim are missing from Parshish Truma that for some reason are in a different Parsha. There's one clay in, in specific that really belongs here, and it's not. So we'll have to wait for Parshas Tetzava for that. But that's all the time we have for this Parsha Panorama. So have a wonderful Shabbos, and tune in next time at the database.